Hello, everyone. It's another Thursday solo edition of Splash Play, and that means it's time to dig deep into the premium stats game to reveal all the data points that they could help us win some money this weekend. And of course, it's Thursday night football today. A showdown is on tap with the Cardinals and the Saints. Who are we picking without Marquise Brown? We're going to find out right after this intro. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Splash Play. Once again, I am your host, Chris Spaggs, joined by you guys today in chat, so make sure you hit the like button. Of course, subscribe to the channel. Let's get that neon flashing gif up bright and early on the stream. Subscribe, like, and comment. Of course, if you are watching the video after the fact, no skin off my back. I appreciate the support either way, so please hit that like button. Leave a comment down below, and I will be sure to get back to you as well. But it's the Money Stats Show, guys. Let's open it up. It's also my birthday. I think that entitles me to have this whole hog pumpkin ale right here on the stream so here's your asmr to start things off right there's a bottle cap flying away cheers everybody out there cheers to me somehow living another year uh amidst honestly this exhaustion <laughs> tedium uh but we're gonna keep pushing through here so cheers guys and of course, it's the Money Stats Show, so I'm going to bring this back. I'm going to lean in on the one bit in my life that's ever resonated. The money hats are back, guys, because today we're going to go game by game looking at all the premium stats from sites like Sports Info Solutions, of course, from Football Outsiders, which you can get for yourself at footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe. Stochastic data, all the data, PFF out there. I pull a little bit of something from everywhere into my data sheets to try to identify some angles that'll hopefully win us some money. And as I've talked about in the last few streams, showdowns have been bailing me out lately. NBA has been nice to have back in my life certainly a thing that gives me the biggest upside of things i've had the most success with winning but i think showdown nfl content showdown nfl uh games really are the thing that you have something of an edge left still a lot of times the the less money left on the table uh people are actually ending up in batches of lineups that give them really no chance to win in a showdown unless you want to split it 50 to 100 different ways i think we've gotten some success lately just trying to get under that price point of $47,000 but of course I'll pull that up in a little bit here and go through the fantasy cruncher the optimization all that stuff so you can see my personal process for showdown that I would swear by to be getting me results and maybe get you some results as well uh, but guys let's go into the data sheet it is of course that time where I pull up my my beloved color-coded Excel to try to see if there's anything interesting out there that we can identify as a weak point something to attack tonight we're going to go game by game here, starting with tonight's game. we got the Saints and the Cardinals. Um, this is the spot to me, the one thing that jumps out, and I'll try to move my mouse along more so you can track what I'm seeing because obviously there's a lot of shit going on here. I get that. I feel like my sheet looks like an episode of Hoarders, but it is still a lot of great data that I, I think is important for me to look at. You see this drop back success rate, and this is something that last week uh, we saw with Arizona didn't quite pay off for Geno Smith, but I think it gets Andy Dalton, the guy who you will see up here is CPOE's completion rate over expectation combined with EPA a little bit over uh, 0.00, which means he's about as average as can be. 0.082, you can see by the color coding as well. Yellow is going to mean average. Red's going to mean bad. Green is going to mean, uh, mean good across the board for everything on my sheet. Also, 1.2% DVOA boost from Dalton. So you are seeing a purely average guy. When you see the success rate here of 53.4%, you can certainly see some more upside for Andy Dalton. I think he's still a play that you want to have paired with a pass catcher in showdown tonight. But I think there's a chance that Dalton could make a winning lineup and he's going to be less 
own than some of the other plays out there. I think it could be an interesting play to go to. Of course, shout out to the chat as well. My boy, Steven Leibovitz in chat. Appreciate you tuning in. And of course, everybody who's new around here or a regular, feel free to leave a comment down below or leave a chat down below in the live stream because I will certainly try to reply here. So I feel like I'm actually engaging with somebody here rather than just rambling as though I'm a mediocre college professor. Uh, the rest of this game, though, it's sort of hard to find anything to love. It looks like James Conner is going to be out tonight. So that's something that opens up Eno Benjamin. So we're going to see when we run the off crunch on Fantasy Cruncher. Eno Benjamin is going to come up a lot. DeAndre Hopkins certainly going to be in play as well with his return from suspension. Marquise Brown out with a foot injury. And I kept him on the sheet so you could see really how big of a hole he's leaving behind here. 70 plus snaps per game, 117 air yards per game. His share of the total yardage is just over 23%, uh, 35.7% of the receiving yards. So there's a pretty big gap left behind by Marquise Brown. Will it be Robbie Anderson filling in? Will Greg Dortch somehow get back in the mix? Will Zach Ertz soak up something? Like those are questions you have to figure out for yourself and, and honestly probably place some different configurations of. But this is a very big hole left behind by Marquise Brown as well as not having Connor. So in this spot, I think having Cardinals expecting them to have somebody pull their weight could be important. It's also worth pointing out here, so I talked about yesterday actually on the Badge Bros show, another show that I'd recommend checking out. Those guys doing a great job breaking down underdog daily content, doing shows every day. I think they're worth your subscribe button as well on YouTube. But you could see um, some of the stats I was talking about yesterday, the 20-plus yards throws overall are something you could track, and I think there is some bankability in how teams perform against these deep throws. You can see here that New Orleans, certainly this touchdown rate a little bit high. It's green. That means probably one of the higher marks in the league right now. 18.2% touchdown rate on throws of 20 plus air yards. But it's a spot that they have been weak against. So I think maybe this could be the situation where Robbie Anderson steps in, gets that one good look on a deep throw, makes a play, has his little revenge game from getting traded away after having an outburst on the sidelines. I don't know. Could be my vestigial attachment to Splash Play Bob. Of course, one of our original mascots here on the channel. But I think Robbie Anderson, if he's going to be active, tonight it seems like he's trending that way could be the guy to take a pivot away from deandre hopkins and maybe try to get some robbie anderson into your life at least for again those big tournaments on showdown where you just need one touchdown especially one long touchdown bomb like greg dorch had the last uh last showdown slate like that's one that could open things up in a major way so robbie anderson i think is actually in play tonight uh no matter how gross it may seem Next game on the docket, we got the Giants, 19.8 implied points. Again, you're seeing a lot of red everywhere. Looks like there's going to be no Kadarius Tony, no Kenny Galladay again. Jacksonville side, though, I think maybe a little bit interesting, at least on paper. Not a high total game, though. 19.8 uh, implied for the Giants, 22.8 for Jacksonville. Um, I guess Travis Etienne being on the upswing could be something to keep an eye on here. The Giants, I think, have been giving up some success on the underneath routes overall. Not anything noteworthy, but still a 4.4% TD rate on these throws under 20-plus yards. With Etienne being on the field more, running more routes, that could be a way that he gets there. Besides that, I guess you're going to have your Saquon exposure. Saquon, it feels like, is a perfectly fine play. I think price point-wise would be a pivot from a very chalky Josh Jacobs, but it looks like according to Stokastic, he's going to have just under 20% ownership anyway. So honestly, not a lot that I would think you would love in this game on paper right now. Um, Evan Ingram, maybe a, a value tight end dart throw you can do, given the fact that there is a 22% boost to tight ends, according to Football Outsiders DVOA numbers against position. Um, so maybe something there, uh, one-off plays at most that doesn't feel feel like a game stack spot, but who knows for big GPPs, certainly any game could go off. This game though, is one where you have to expect people will get to over the course of the next few days, 27.8 implied points for Dallas going to get 20.8 for Detroit. Detroit on paper seems like they're in a really tough matchup. You can see the success this Dallas defense has had on this highlighted area over here. A lot of red, the dropback EPA minus 0.89 or uh, 0.091, excuse me, percent. 
Um, the drawback success rate pretty low, rushing success rate closer to average, but still not great. Dallas has done a good job inhibiting much better teams than Detroit. The thing with Detroit, though, is having DeAndre Swift in does change the equation around a little bit. I don't see anything I would really be dying to target here, but Swift is a contrarian play, guys they could rely on, perhaps get him out into the flat a little bit more to do something against this Dallas defense could be the move. But Dallas overall, just not giving up a good completion rate on deep throws, keeping the ball in front of them, that feels like a game where I don't know that there's somebody too obvious that you want to target here. Um, Jamison Williams, though, worth pointing out, he is apparently going to get back into the team soon and play his first snaps as a rookie. Dallas's side, though. Dallas's side looks fantastic. You can see all the EPA numbers over here. A lot of green DVOA-wise as well. Detroit giving up massive production across the board. Wide receiver one boost, wide receiver two boost, tight end boost. On paper, this Dallas stack looks really good. The issue is that we do see sometimes, like we saw last week with Arizona and Seattle, on paper, you can look at the DVOA numbers, you can look at the EPA numbers, you can look at all of that, and it seemed like a great spot on paper. The Cardinals, though, couldn't put it together, couldn't put together an offense that made sense actually take advantage of Seattle that could be the case for Dallas against Detroit obviously the higher total here seems nice um I think this stack though you see not a lot of ownership going to these guys according to stochastic I kind of feel like I guess you know CeeDee Lamb's certainly going to get his share but besides that it's not crazily owned I think this is a game though that you're going to see that ownership projection come up whether it be on stochastic whether it be on ETR and I don't know that this game is going to be worth targeting relative to ownership but I think it's worth getting some shares of and hoping that it pays off um, just probably not going with where the field's going to be because this really feels like one that people will chase pretty highly. Indianapolis, the reason Michael Pittman is the cover boy today, and it's actually a tough one because I want to say Alec Pierce is going to be the primary beneficiary of this one, but it certainly could be Pittman, a guy who has not gotten any deep targets at all so far this year. You can see no throws over 20-plus yards going his way. Alec Pierce, though, does get one per game and actually gets more air yards per game than Pittman does. So I think both guys you can make a case for going against this Tennessee defense that has gotten strafed by deep balls. Absolutely strafed. We saw them give up big touchdowns to Diami Brown. We see them give up big games really week after week overall, but Diami Brown's going to be the one you remember the most recently before they went on their bye. Maybe it's something they clamped down on when you see this much green normally there is some regression to the mean expected that tennessee at some point is not going to give up deep throws but with how indianapolis attacked jacksonville last week a lot of dropbacks from matt ryan i think he had a, a i don't even i don't want to misquote the number but he had a crazy high amount of attempts last week ended up with 38 fantasy points overall he's got thir uh, 47 dropbacks per game i think in this situation alec pierce to me seems like a very nice tournament dart throw uh, i really do feel like uh, I tout Alec Pierce too much, so I want to kind of temper my expectations a little bit for him. But man, he's looked good. He's a big body dude. He gets downfield. So uh, I think Ivan is right here. You made it for the money hat. It's time for the money hat to be busted out in honor of Alec Pierce. He is my stamp of approval lock. No, there's no such thing as a lock. Um, do I have a good gift here? I have my no Pete's allowed. I think Pete's got a stream going on right now. So no Pete's allowed for sure. Um, okay, here we go. My my Daffy Duck masturbating gift play of the week is Alec Pierce. Bring it to Bring it to your bookmaker and tell him, I want to place all your bets on Alec Pierce. Alec Pierce, anytime touchdown scorer, if Daffy says it's good, it's, it's got to be good. Uh, on Tennessee's side, I think that going Derrick Henry with an Indianapolis bring back is kind of appealing from a stack perspective. does seem like Derrick Henry is going to be under 15% owned going against an Indianapolis team that overall does give up a pretty good success rate against drop backs, but we know Tennessee wants to run. So this situation to me, I think taking a, a Colt stack with one of the Tennessee guys, either Henry or a pass catcher could be pretty appealing, uh, but definitely one that I think I'm going to have some tournament exposure to in the hopes that Matt Ryan does it again and has a big explosion day. 
Worth pointing out, though, Jonathan Taylor back in practice has practiced the last two days along with Naheem Hines. Seems like Deion Jackson, if his quad is okay, going to have a role that shunts it downwardly. Uh, maybe Taylor is the pivot play here if you see ownership starts to come up for Matt Ryan. But overall, um, seems like a game that I think is worth having some exposure to. Shout out to Ross is the analysis I come here for. Yes, if you can't walk into a GIF, you don't see Daffy Duck masturbating in a GIF form in the right corner, then you don't know what plays are locks. You don't know what plays to really get behind. And I can tell you uh, that if you see Daffy Duck masturbating and somebody touting that player, you got to get a little exposure to that guy. That's just how we go. Shout out Lunchable Connoisseur as well. Shout out to everybody joining the show here. Of course, hit the like button, subscribe, do all that stuff as we continue to pour through all the stats. Green Bay, um, honestly, looks awful. The one guy I do think you can make a case for is Alan Lazard in the spot getting a lot of targets 2.2 deep targets per game he's the one thing Aaron Rodgers seems to trust in this offense uh there's a nice breakdown in the underdog stats versus film show which I recommend watching every week as well obviously football outsiders content I will put my personal stamp of approval on but for other sites out there that I think do a great job underdog Josh and Hayden who both been the splash play guests on the show in the past um, I think you definitely should spend some time just putting their show on in the background, hearing them out. They talked a lot about Aaron Rodgers' discomfort in this offense, just how it looks overall. Losing Randall Cobb certainly not a positive thing for him either. But he does seem to really rely now on Lazard, and not having Cobb out there feels like Lazard could be even more of a factor. And this team overall with Washington giving up 34 intended air yards per attempt when they are giving up a deep throw, 15 yards per pass, also a pretty good number. Feels to me like Lazard could be that one-off tournament play where you probably don't want the full stack, but could be a guy that gets there. I also think on the other side, Brian Robinson, we know that Washington wants to run. We know historically as well when Taylor Heineke was out there last year. Heineke, I think, as good of a deep ball thrower as Carson Wentz. Maybe not going to be as prolific with them. Um, Carson Wentz has been throwing a lot of deep attempts this year. Taylor Heineke, I think, was actually pretty high up there last year, but not a guy that I think you're going to have the faith in week after week. I do think the spot, though, for Brian Robinson seems like one where if Green Bay doesn't get out ahead, if they do kind of you know chunk yardage away, nickel and dime throw things away, you could see Brian Robinson be meaningfully involved. He's taking a pretty big share away from Antonio Gibson, even uh, well, not running much routes per game, not getting targeted much in the past game. You can see this rushing success rate for the Green Bay defense that they're having. Um, overall, 50% success rate against the run is what teams are getting against Green Bay's defense. That's one that I think seems like a spot where Brian Robinson could be a very low-owned, a very off the radar kind of play that maybe falls his way to an end zone. Um, I think probably looks a little better in an underdog battle Royale kind of format where you are getting the half point PPR, but still a guy that I think it wouldn't be shocking to see him have a big day. He's not Brees Hall, but he is a guy that I think can get something done. Tampa Bay, we got 25.8 implied points, Carolina, 14.8 implied points. Um, this game seems kind of ugly, but I do think that Tom Brady is an interesting tournament play. You can actually see some of the stats over here. Um, so that's, so those are stochastics, basically, uh, their projections overlaid with the salaries and then put together in, in the block form. If you follow Pete's JM to win streams, you'll know how JM to win talks a lot about one week season. Uh, you could say groups, you could say stacks with the bring back, whatever the case may be. But I do think overall that these Tom Brady stacks after they did burn a lot of people last week, didn't pay off in pretty much any DFS site out there going back to them this week against the Carolina team that, I feel like is rudderless. We could say that. I know uh, last week, PJ Walker had a negative air yards per attempt, uh, basically throwing behind the line each time. That's not going to be a positive thing for an offense. So maybe Tampa Bay jumps on them early. I think it's sort of hard to tout Tampa Bay and have any sort of confidence. But a week where they did disappoint so much of the field out there, and also you know a nice high total here, almost 26 implied points going against a Carolina team that hasn't shown much. Uh, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin projected well. I don't know if you want to do a full double stack, but I think a single stack with Tampa Bay could be pretty good. Cleveland, 19.5 implied points. Baltimore, 26 implied points. This is another one, too, where you can see that Mark Andrews bring back with, uh, with Amari Cooper looking pretty good. You can also see it with Nick Chubb looking pretty good on the Baltimore side. 
Uh, this game feels like one that you could stack up and try to get the upside here of two teams that I think have more of a defensive reputation than they actually deserve. Um, you can see a lot of green here in terms of the EPA per play on both sides. The rushing EPA for Cleveland has been higher. Um, J.K. Dobbins stochastic has projected a lot higher than Kenyon Drake. Uh, J.K. Dobbins apparently has knee lock up last week, so it could be something that uh, you see Kenyon Drake get a workload again. I don't know that I would want to play either guy, but it feels like it wouldn't be shocking to see one of Dobbins or Drake have a good day, given the rushing EPA that they're going against this Cleveland defense, a uh, 0.162 boost overall in terms of expected points added. Um, but this situation to me, I don't know, like I think targeting an AFC North game and trying to go against people's conception of, you know, there being a lot of defense in most of those matchups historically, this is one where I think you could get to and maybe feel okay about um, Cleveland's defense. No great shakes overall. You can see the DVOA numbers here defensively giving a big boost across every possible category. I just wish Bateman were healthy and out there, and I don't think we have confirmation on that one yet. So they signed Deshaun Jackson. That feels like maybe Bateman's not going to be ready to go. But I feel like overall, uh, Baltimore to me feels kind of like a sleeping giant, a paper, not a paper tiger, but a sleeping giant for sure, where one of these weeks they are going to break out in a major way again. And I think you probably want to get there before uh, they drive the price tax up of all these guys, uh, even more than Lamar and Mark Andrews are right now. Um, Atlanta in this spot is kind of interesting because it feels like Cincinnati should absolutely destroy Atlanta in this in this game overall. Um, you see the numbers giving up high dropback success rate, high rush game success rate going against this Atlanta defense. And if Atlanta does trail, that is where you could see some of the upside going uh, to a guy like Drake London, maybe going more to Kyle Pitts. So I think this is another game too where it feels bad to take the stack that went off last week. You see a lot of ownership going to Joe Burrow, a lot of ownership going to Jamar Chase, a lot of ownership going to T. Higgins. But it feels to me like if you go to maybe Mariota and London and bring it back with a Joe Mixon, that could be a different way to get the potential high scoring in this game and get off of the, the beaten path a little bit of chalk. Uh, so I like this game overall. I'm a little bit leery about chasing Burrow after he does win underdog tournaments, does win some DFS tournaments, um, maybe going Mariota's way when people have filed him away as somebody who's not going to get there. could be the way to do it. Shout out to the chat. Shout out to our boy, Nate. Shout out to Captain Whoopass saying happy birthday, Spags. I appreciate it, guys. Obviously, I'm still grinding the content here. It's my birthday, so I feel like if, any, if there's ever been a day to tail me here to follow my showdown picks, we've been making some good stands every single uh, time I've been doing the solo streams on Monday and Thursday. So I'm hoping this is the night, guys, because I've been punching around that the top of the tournament lineups for the showdowns, and then this week, uh, today in particular, be a nice day to do it on the back of Andy Dalton. When does when that ever let anybody down? Jets, Denver, I feel like I could just skin this one pretty fast. Not a lot to love here. Maybe a get well spot for Melvin Gordon, but boy, does Nathaniel Hackett seem to hate him. I speculated on Twitter that I think Melvin Gordon must have done some sort of, I think you should leave level bit uh, to Nathaniel Hackett to engender that kind of bad will. Uh, perhaps he drew, uh, wait, where's, here we go. Perhaps he drew a chunky for, for Nathaniel Hackett. I don't know. Either way, though, I don't trust Latavius Murray. I also don't trust Gordon here. 6K price tag for a guy who basically doesn't seem to be aligned with what the coaching staff wants, I think seems like a tough one. Um, this game overall, to me, feels like an avoid. But God, if, if Melvin Gordon goes off at low ownership, when nobody's on him, that is kind of classic DFS in a way that wouldn't shock me. So maybe maybe get more than the field's 0.1% expected for Melvin Gordon. Um, and a Cortland Sutton breakout game could happen at any day now. It just I don't think we've seen the ceiling from him yet, but it's got to come at some point. Um, Russ being healthy, Russ being good would certainly be helpful for Cortland Sutton as well. 
Houston, here's where the chalk game of the week is going to be because a look at this ownership going to Josh Jacobs on DraftKings. 35% expected ownership for Josh Jacobs. The shady part, too, is it also makes a lot of sense. You see Josh Jacobs on the year, a 31% avoided tackle rate, which is fantastic for a guy with his level of volume. 4.2 yards after contact allowed. He's going against a Houston team that has an 11% or almost 11% missed tackle rate. Um, it's hard to argue Josh Jacobs. Josh Jacobs to me this week feels like Ramondre Stevenson last week where I think he gets there. It's hard to imagine him not getting there. Um, if he doesn't get there, then, you know, you're probably fucked deeply. Um, same token, though, I think I would still be inclined to be with the field on Jacobs' ownership. A third of your lineups with him feels not that crazy. Maybe if you want to get a little bit more exposure to other guys, go to 20% Josh Jacobs. But in this spot, for me, I feel like Jacobs is a play that it's hard to imagine missing, hard to imagine him. This being the spot where he busts. If he does bust, I guess you could go the other way, get some leverage with Damian Pearson, and maybe bring it back with a Raiders stack. Does seem like some decent uh, overall value to going with Carr, with Adams, brought back with Damian Pierce. As you can see, that's got a 54.4 point projection from Stochastic. So maybe that's the way to go if you want to get different. But it's hard, again, hard to imagine Josh Jacobs failing when he's got so many intended touches per game, got so many red zone touches per game, um, avoids tackles well, gets a team that misses tackles at a high rate. These are all things that look really good for Josh Jacobs. Uh, I think this, yeah, here we go. Sec, second to last main slate game, I believe. We got Kansas City and the Niners. Um, this one, nothing really jumped out to me when I was trying to look at it in advance here. It's hard to sort of say that the San Francisco defense is going to be good going against a Kansas City team that's also obviously going to pass above expectation, going to throw the ball a lot. Niners defense, though, kind of has some appeal here. We see overall that Russell Wilson's dropping back 43 times per game. The pass agreed over expectation is 12% for the Kansas City Chiefs overall, 20% in the red zone. And then you combine that with San Francisco's defense, which the EPA per play, one of the lowest marks in the league, the dropback EPA, one of the lowest marks in the league. Um, they get pressure at a decent rate. Feels like maybe you take the Niners D to be contrarian, but I don't know that I can see a lot of production here. The one thing you can point out, Kansas City's defense struggles against the deep ball. There isn't really a deep ball beneficiary for the Niners. I guess it would be Brandon Ayuk, but his price is up now, so I don't know that you want to chase the results he got last week. Um, I think if I had to choose one play I would like the most here would be the Niners defense, and then maybe you get really contrarian and go with a Kansas City stack too and some amount of ownership just because nobody's going to be on them. San Francisco's defense, again, look at the DVOA numbers here, all red. Definitely people are going to avoid the Kansas City team more than usual this week, but maybe they can get there. Maybe they can beat sort of the, the on-paper numbers in a way that happens all the time in NFL. We got Seattle and the Chargers here. I'm taking a sip of beer because fuck, man. I, I, you know, like these solo streams, like I know I talk a lot. I get that. But boy, it really takes it out of you just to fucking go and hammer through. But it's honestly been helpful for me just to talk about the stuff out loud. So thank you guys for riding along on this journey with me as I take a sip of my, my whole hog. Nothing like sipping some hog on your birthday. <laughs> ah, you can really taste the pumpkin and the hog. Seattle, 22.5 implied points. Chargers, 27.5 implied points. Um... A lot of ownership going Kenneth Walker's way. The price tag hasn't really come up for Walker. Avoided tackle rate for him on the year 50%, which is an absolutely outlandish number. Um, certainly a guy that I would have a hard time nickel and diming too much. That said, if I were going to take a chalk player, I would prefer Josh Jacobs to Kenneth Walker by a wide margin. I don't think that, as I mentioned, I don't think Jacobs could fail. I think there are some ways that Walker can fail. I think there are some ways as well that the Chargers defense maybe gets a little bit more going their way in this spot going against Seattle. who just feels like they're due to have one of those down days that they kind of crater. Um, so I... I think it's hard to really argue the ownership going here, but this game feels to me like one, maybe you avoid the Seattle's ownership a little bit more. The Chargers ownership, 
don't really have an issue with that. I feel like uh, Justin Herbert to me feels about appropriate. Keenan Allen apparently trending towards not playing this week. Um, he's been in and out of practice, but it was saying that he might take this week off, then get back after their bye week. So track that one pretty closely. Obviously, if he's out, that does make Mike Williams more appealing. I think it also makes Mike Williams more appealing coming off of a dud game going against Patrick Sertan a lot. Um, so that's one where I think targeting the Mike Williams bounce back game could be a nice one going against Seattle. Seattle, again, even with what they did last week against Arizona, just a, just a terrible team defensively overall. Um, the numbers have started to stabilize in terms of deep balls allowed, but still giving up 28 intended air yards per attempt. They are giving up a deep ball 7% of the time. They're giving up a pass over 20 plus air yards. So that's something that um, can certainly be taken advantage of by Justin Herbert and the Chargers. Uh, but I think overall Seattle's ownership, I, I feel like, we had the window of time. It kind of feels like Sam Darnold last year where there was like four weeks where Darnold was really good, was you know looking like a player that was going to matter. Then he kind of crashed down to earth. It feels like that's going to be the case for you with Seattle. And, you know, I'm obviously biased. I'm the Drew Locke guy. I get that. But I think Seattle, to me, has kind of hit their apex, and now we're going to see them slowly kind of come back down where they should be, uh, you would think. Nate saying, this will be the week I get Mike Williams right. I think the weeks that my, nobody's playing Mike Williams are the weeks that you get him right overall. So I think if you play Mike Williams this week and he does end up under 5% owned, like that's the week you really want Mike Williams. That's the week you want to have that upside or people are going to feel uncomfortable paying that price tag. But I could tell you, like I, I liked him in the showdown just from a projection standpoint, from him not coming up on Fantasy Cruncher. Then when I ended up putting lineups in, I played Mike Williams a lot less than Josh Palmer, a lot less than Everett, um, a lot less than Eckler for sure. Um, I think Mike Williams is in a really bad spot on Monday night in this spot. I think he's in a much better one. And then Ross, of course, is no fear fading Walker, lots of fear fading Jacobs. I think that's certainly a good way to look at it. You know, I think that also maybe ties to the inverse of what uh, JM DeWin and Pete were talking about with feeling comfortable with your lineups. If you feel comfortable, you're probably doing the wrong thing. I would think if you are fading Jacobs, like you feel wildly uncomfortable in a way where, you know, it makes it a nice tournament play, but boy, in cash, you should be playing Jacobs. You feel pretty good about it. Ray Ray asking, should I start Kyler tonight or go with Dak? Um, that's an interesting question. Uh, I don't mind Kyler tonight, but I think Dak's in a much better spot on paper, higher Vegas total, better matchup against Detroit. I think you should play Dak and hope they'll be pretty good. Um, and then Sunday night football. And do we really care about Pittsburgh and Miami? Um, this one's sort of hard to project without knowing picket status and all that. looks like two will be back. I, I feel like this one, um, uh, I would target the Miami side to a captain seems to play Tyree captain seems in play, but nothing too sexy to talk about for that Sunday night football game. So let's talk Thursday night football. We've got a question from Lucius here. Thing, do you think Taysom will be okay this evening? He he, fool. Um, I don't know if he is a fool. I would say Taysom is hard to sort of feel any comfort with. Let's look at what his ownership is projected to be. As I pull up, of course, my other screen here. Uh, let's pull up the window. Of course, this is Stochastic's ownership. Pay them money. Go to Stochastic.com. Um, take advantage of their data. Um, they have data for every single slate and obviously for showdowns. It's gonna be a pretty big advantage. Uh, let me make sure this is the most recent one. All right. So we got Taysom Hill, $7,200 projected for under 10% under 10 ownership. I can tell you that sharp players will play Taysom Hill tonight. And I, you know, for whatever that means to you, that means he's a good tournament play. I don't think he's a guy you'd play in cash by any stretch. You probably shouldn't play him at captain at all, even though at 0% ownership, God, it wouldn't be shocking to see him win at captain. Um, We'll look at the projections here in a second, but I don't think Taysom Hill is a good play for season long. I don't think he's a good play to play a lot of volume and showdown tonight, but there is definitely a logic taking a guy who we know has a ceiling that he has against an Arizona team that sucks defensively. Um, he can get there. And I think that's where, that's where the apprehension would come in for me of not playing him at all. 
Uh, but let's upload the data here. Of course, these are Stochastics projections. Um, I don't know if they have a promo code going, but if they do, take advantage of it at Stochastic.com, S-T-O-K-A-S-T-I-C.com. I'm Captain and Taysom tonight. I've spent $3 on worse. It's one of those things, man, where like, I just don't think he's going to project for ownership and stochastics numbers or any TRs numbers. But I feel like when it comes to real people who are going to play some lineups that I think there's a decent chance that people actually might play them. So that's where my fear would come with Taysom is that you think you're getting him at zero at captain. You think you're getting him at 10% overall. And then he ends up like 5% at captain and 25% overall. That does end up kind of a different equation. So um, yeah, I, it would be hard for me to advocate against him fully because of knowing he can get there. And I think sharp people will play them there, but I think the casuals also might play him there a little bit more than you would think. All right, let's crunch our optimal lineups. Let's see what people will likely be playing here. As you can see, I put five players against the defense so we can get a pretty broad swath of what this lineup looks like. If you're going to play cash tonight, this is the one to go to. You know, Benjamin at captain, Juwan Johnson in the flex, along with Rondale Moore, Zach Ertz, Alvin Kamara, Kyler Murray. As we always try to do here, it's time to look at who does come up, who doesn't come up. Kicker is coming up pretty well represented, 30% Matt Prater in this optimal crunch, 20% for Will Lutz. On defense, we're not getting any Saints defense, not a lot of Cardinals defense. Given the total, I think the defenses are on the menu tonight as an option, but not a play to sort of gravitate towards necessarily. Uh, overall, who's the most popular captain, a lot of Kyler captain. Uh, he has the rushing upside to get there, but you got to make sure to watch your ownership product. If you do play Kyler at captain, you know, Benjamin at captain, I think is also pretty obvious. His price tag didn't come up quite enough for a guy who could get the same role that he had on Sunday. Seems like he's going to get that again. And then Rondale Moore, um, man, I think Robbie Anderson at captain's kind of appealing or at least getting him into a lineup. He's not, doesn't look like he has a projection on him. Um, what's his projection on stochastic? That's oh, right. He's I forgot he's Robbie with an IE now. A very very necessary rebrand for him. 2.99 projection at this salary. Robbie Anderson captain is kind of nice. Robbie Anderson at captain utility will be a part of what I do tonight for sure. And Ross pointing out, yes, this is this is the plug I can give to Stochastic and feel good about. Gotta pay attention to Live Before Lock. I think a great show to have on in the background for DFS. I always put Stochastic on in the background. It's always, you know, it's nice for me to see my old pals when I don't get to do shows with this regularly anymore. But definitely, you know, for NBA, I swear by it. For NFL as well, those guys do a fantastic job. Um, and have real winners too on the show. Like Neil Orfield, I've talked about a few times. Um, he does great short form videos for them and also does a lot of their live before lock shows or deeper dive shows on showdown slates. And that guy has crushed in showdowns historically for NFL. So uh, definitely people that you want to listen to as opposed to the people that think they're winning in best ball after six weeks. <laughs> That's a joke for the deposit kingdom discord out there uh, because those people obviously are idiots. Uh, back to fantasy cruncher though. <laughs> uh, at tight end, Nothing too surprising. But yeah, not a share of Taysom Hill in the optimal. Fuck. I hate the idea of playing Taysom Hill tonight. I really do. I think it's a I think it feels like a trap. It feels like a trap that the data can't properly capture. But I think Taysom Hill does make some sense. Gross though that may be. All right, let's put on our salary cap here and let's crunch some lineups. And these are going to be lineups that I actually might potentially use tonight because I'm remembering to put the salary cap on now. As you can see, I'm capping myself at, well, just under 47,000. That is because there's been a preponderance of lineups lately winning under 47,000. You can make this 48, you can make it whatever, but I would not have your lineups be in that 49,500 49, range to 50,000 range because every single lineup that is in there is going to be duped. That is just how it goes time and time again. Um, you can see my groups on here. 
I prefer to only have one defense. I prefer to only have one kicker. I think it's minus EV to do that. Obviously, you have seen the alternative win this year, but it doesn't win at a high enough rate for me to justify the minus EV on those lineups. Uh, my New Orleans receivers, I'm limiting here to two overall. I'm also limiting them unless they have Andy Dalton in the flex. I can only use... Uh, actually, wait, but... This is the wrong one. So Dalton, because he doesn't run at all, basically, if he's in the flex for me, I'm requiring a pass catcher with him. Um, I just mislabeled these as I do pretty often on Fantasy Cruncher. And in this one, too, if I'm not playing any Dalton at captain or in the flex position, then I'm limiting overall my receivers to one max. So you can see that. For Kyler, though, because he does run more, um, I'm willing to get him in different configurations. So still want max two pass catchers, but I also do not have the flex roll on for Kyler. Um, and I also am perfectly okay getting him. Honestly, you could probably get him a captain with no receivers, but his upside for him to be a captain, you're playing the best possible scenario for Kyler Murray in terms of scoring. And that usually means a pass catcher comes along with them. So those are the rules that I'm using for today. And then, of course, you got my salary here. Uh, you got the randomness at 33%. And let's see what this first crunch gives us for 500 lineups. I wonder if Taysom's going to come up at all. He's got to come up, I think. Once we up the randomness, Taysom will come up, but I don't think it's going to come up in a 33% crunch. Yeah, no Taysom yet. That is a tough price tag for Taysom Hill. It completely makes sense. I also wouldn't do a Taysom Hill group with anything. Like... <laughs> I don't, I, I don't know what you would do with him. Like, I guess if you put Taysom Hill at captain, um, maybe don't play Andy Dalton at all. But I think there is a way that you could get Taysom at captain and then Dalton with the pass catcher in there. So I, I probably wouldn't set any Taysom Hill rules other than I guess I got to get some of him and hope that that's okay. <laughs> do we think that Blankenship is a kicker night? If so, since he's not in the player pool, Lutz will be highly owned. Um, yeah, it's a fair point. Uh, obviously, check the projections. That's certainly what I'll be doing here. This crunch I'm using, like, even if I wanted to show you guys, like, the exact lineups I would use, like, it's just going to change before the, the slate starts because of inactives. So as I would always say for anything, whether it be kickers or whatever, the inactives are an important part. Um, for this particular game, though, let me just see both teams kicking proclivities. Um, let's see. So New Orleans actually top six in the league in terms of points per red zone. Um, they kick field goals at a 26 in the rate league or 26 in the league rate rather. Um, and then Arizona kicks field goals at the 24th in the league rate. Yeah. I mean, look, I don't mind playing kicker. Um, it just comes down to ownership. Like both guys came up in the optimal. So I don't think they're unknown quantities, but certainly um, if a guy's not in the field, then yeah, I guess, I don't know. I, I it's hard always to figure out how to handle kickers. Here we go. A season long trade request. Should I trade to an ATN for a Mondre Stevenson? I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that. Uh, even with whatever, it doesn't matter what your team is. I don't think that's a good trade. Hey, both guys are on the upswing now. And Ramondre, like you're going to see Damian Harris come back at some point. And it wouldn't be shocking to see Pierre Strong get used more as well at some point for New England. Um, Ty Montgomery also going to be back at some point. Like I think you're trading at a high for Ramondre and you're trading um, to an ATN when they're going to probably have better weeks coming up here. So that's two things that I would generally look forward to not doing a trade. I'll label these crunches too. And again, if you're new to these streams here on the Mondays and Thursdays, of course, tomorrow will be a classic show with me and Pete at 10 a.m. So please come back, watch us bicker and banter and do our ride or die picks and all that. But also, if you're new to the Thursday streams, what I do here is I crunch a 33% randomness crunch, a 66% randomness crunch with two uniques, and then one without two uniques, and also one at 99%. And I pair them all together and see what the best lineups are. Um, and then, you know, these the ones that are going to be the most usable for you are if you're playing in cash, like this one likely will not change very much in cash given that we know that James Connor's out like this one is, this is your cash lineup here with, Eno, you know, Juwan Johnson, Rondale Moore, Zach Ertz, Alvin Kamara, and Kyler Murray. 
All right, here's our 33 crunch. Let's see if there's anything interesting in this one. All right, captains. Do we get Robbie Anderson captain at 33? That's what I wonder. No Robbie Anderson captain at 33. Randy asking, Juwan Johnson, Hunter Henry, Otten, PPR, or Dulcich? I would go Dulcich personally. Dulcich has the biggest role. If you had to do this with classic randomness, what would the numbers be? I think classic randomness was you just did a lower number overall. Um, but I, I guess, honestly, I don't think it matters that much. It's really about the lineup spread you get in terms of your projections and the players you're getting in. Um, but I just, you know, like this is what Rinpack told us in the beginning of the season, so I'm following that uh, like gospel. But randomness numbers, I think, are one of those things that like uh, casual players or like players who are like really getting into optimizer stuff more. Like I know I was chasing like, oh, what's the right way? Like what's the perfect settings? I don't think it matters as much as long as you're getting different lineups and getting like, you know, a decent spread of projection. Uh, so I wouldn't sweat it that much, whether you're using classic or normal distribution. The normal distribution just flattens out the curve a little bit more into what a normal curve would look like. I mean, that's like a pro feature. Like I, don't, I think that you could have a randomness feature on there and it could just be like you could have the same one for everybody. I don't know if there's an advantage in the randomness distributions. But you know, a lot of smart guys, though, use the standard deviations for the actual players. I just use flat ones for NFL because I don't think there's a big advantage uh, to knowing the exact standard deviation per game for NFL. NBA, though, I think that actually is something you should look into more. Yo, are you answering start sits? I can. I'm, I'm, I'm here to do whatever, Super C and B challengers. For a guy like you who's coming here for the first time, whatever you want, buddy, just drop it in. Also, I need to quickly vent about YouTube again. So I've submitted my passport to YouTube five times within the last week, and they've been sent back every time for reasons ranging from you need all four corners in the photo. There's glare, which I don't know if you guys have a passport. Passports are shiny. I'm not putting the flash on. It just has glare. That's how it goes. So we still do not have monetization on the channel now. Stuck at a couple hundred bucks in YouTube earnings, not to make a single cent in all of October. So thank you to YouTube. If there's anybody out there works for YouTube and they're hearing the stream, help me. Help. I'm a real person. I have feelings. <laughs> I, want, I want my hundreds of dollars, please. That's what I say to YouTube. PPR, I need a flex. Olave, Mike Williams, Kirk, Eno, Benjamin, Mostert. Uh, I would go Mike Williams out of that group. Um, Eno does seem like he's decently projected, though. But I guess, you know, if you need a higher ceiling, if like if your matchup is a tough one, I would go Mike Williams. If you just need to get some points in the door, I would go Eno, Benjamin. Mm -mm -mm. All right. Let's up up. Let's get one more crunch in here for two uniques. And again, this is going to be exactly what I do tonight. So there is no mystery here. This is exactly the process I do. And I just group them together and sort them out. I might rebuild a new Excel sheet to do this for me because I've been running low on time lately, trying to balance workflow um, with building lineups and all that. Um, but yeah, I think uh, it's easy to do this on Cruncher. So just do it on Cruncher if you if you don't want to code up some VLOOKUPs on Excel. Hey, shout out Super CNB. Make sure to subscribe Super CNB because there's nobody else out there who will answer your start qu sit questions on YouTube. I can tell you for a fact, only on this channel will we do that while looking at Fantasy Cruncher going blind. But really, everybody, of course, appreciate the new people in coming in here, whether you're trying to show out for the first time or hanging out on the regular. It means a lot to me as we try to grow this channel, build it up. Uh, so it's more than just me relying on Pete's coattails. Now it could be me and my own coattails and money hats, all my own bits on this channel which we love. <laughs>
Mike wants an NBA underdog draft. I, that's I, I'm not doing NBA tonight. I can only do one sport per night now because of the baby. That much I got to tell you. Want a sandwich saying, hey, man, I've seen your vids in the past. And I'm glad I could catch a live one, but I do need some help. Who do I start in the flex? Lamb, D-Hop, or Jonathan Taylor? I have Eckler and McCaffrey as my running backs. Lamb for this week's matchup. As we talked about that Dallas total, it's a very high total. I would find it hard to argue Jonathan Taylor. Your team is good, though. Either You have Eckler and McCaffrey along with Taylor. I don't know what the fuck you were doing, man, in your draft. <laughs> People were asleep for you. Um, but I think it's the same thing. Like, if you want the higher ceiling, Lamb is certainly in the play. You just need to coast by this week because the team against you just sucks. And you have a lot of talent. Like, I think, you know, I would play the... For you and your particular lineup, want a sandwich, you can play the floor play in Jonathan Taylor, I think. But for the most part, you're trying to target ceilings, you're trying to upside, uh, target upside. But I think in a redraft league, in a season-long league where you're just going against one opponent, you just need to worry about you know outscoring that guy. So that's when you play a little bit more of the floor plays. OG Mansfan, thank you. I actually saw OG Mansfan had a big win. Uh, got one of the satellites for uh, the showdown on Monday. So kudos to OG Mansfan has been doing his work. I saw giving some shout-outs. Not the splash play, which is fine. You know, I get it. Maybe I didn't help you that much. Uh, <laughs> but excited to see one of the good guys out there who's been a supporter of this show since day one, have some breakthroughs. And if you guys have them too, like I'm always down to see some screenshots, especially if you want to rock a splash play avatar uh, so people can, the ones and ones people out there can know about the show. You can have one just like me on DraftKings. Thoughts on Romeo Dubs or Renfro at Flex? Um, let's see. Without Cobb, I think it would be Dubs. Hmm. Yeah, Renfro's work has been non-existent. Um, I would go dubs in that spot. But honestly, Ben, neither is that fantastic. Like, you got to go with this guy. This guy where he's got Eckler and McCaffrey, he's deciding, oh, do I want to play Jonathan Taylor, C.D. Lamb, or DeAndre Hopkins? Like, that's where you need your depth. He, this guy's like, oh, you got Romeo dubs or Renfro. Oof. <laughs> Sorry, man. And I see variety, though, in people's either-or questions, at least. nothing, Nothing else. All right, let's group these all together. <laughs> Honestly, though, I would love to know like what that guy's team was. Like, I would love to know like what that league looks like. Where are you drafting? Like, that's gotta be like a four-person league. Or just people are just like, yeah, you know what, man? Uh tight end, super duper premium. They don't make any catches, they get points. I don't know. You should not have a team like that in season long. You should not be able to do that. Unless you were colluding heavily, unless you are a former bachelor contestant, then you can have a team like that. All right, we're grouping all the lineups together here. It's a little bit slower than I would like. As we all know here, I want to get through the show as fast as possible for the sake of the ADD YouTube generation, guys. Oh, I also should look at probably, look at our probably data real fast too. Uh, had some nice talks with our Brazilian friends who were going to, uh, Help us design the UX for the site. But you can see, of course, the most probable bets in the world, according to our data, pulling it from the top international sports book, uh, sports books. Um, New Orleans and Arizona has a 73% chance of going under 52 and a half. Does mean, though, that there's a 27% chance that it goes over and becomes a shootout. So, you know, keep that in mind. Certainly uh, shows both sides of the probabilities here in this equation. Saints plus 7.5 has a 67% chance of happening. Cardinals plus 3.5 is a 67% chance of happening. So that's kind of interesting. That feels like a lean from the international markets towards the Cardinals. Um, just because of the fact they're saying that New Orleans is not going to get completely smoked, but they're saying the Cardinals, like no matter what the worst case outcome is, are going to be like within a field goal. So that's kind of interesting. Um, yeah. 
So there you go. There's some of the most probable bets for tonight, but it does seem there's some shootout potential in this one and certainly some potential for the Cardinals to get right, which would be very fitting after they bombed so poorly against uh, Seattle this previous week. Let's keep moving these crunches over and we'll get our final set of lineups. And I'll give you some that I actually think I would play tonight. And hopefully I don't actually end up playing them so we don't dupe each other. Because the whole point of, of doing all these things I do, guys, is to limit your number of dupes because there are so many in showdown. Thank you, Jay. You don't have to make up anything to me, bud. Just win that tournament. Win whatever the satellite got you into. That's all you can do for me. I'm going to make my money on DraftKings NFL best ball this year. <laughs> so I don't need anything from anybody. I just got to sit around until January. And I could say that because I built zero RB teams. If you built RB heavy teams and you're bragging about your best ball mania shares right now, you're a fool. You're a fool. <laughs> An absolute fool. All right. We got a thousand overall lineups here. And this is the nice part too. When you do cap the salary is you could take the highest projected lineups and not feel that bad about it. Whereas if you take the highest projected lineups from 49,000 on you are fucked, you are guaranteed to split that prize pool with at least one more person, probably, you know, upwards of 50 to hundred people. But down here, we're getting, you know, Benjamin a captain. We have Will Lutz. Like we have all the stuff that we would want here to make a nice lineup, uh, but still getting off the beaten path by going such a low salary. So that's again, one of the advantages of going to lower salary cap for your, your showdowns in particular for NBA. Don't do that. Like for NBA, you still want to be above 49, five, probably still above like 49, seven. Uh, for for regular slates, to be clear, not for showdowns. Um, man, interesting teams. Do we get a single Robbie Anderson share at captain? So Robbie Anderson doesn't come up at all, which is worth noting. At least at captain, he doesn't come up at all. It does come up in the utility. I would easily play these two Robbie Anderson lineups. I would easily play these two Greg Dorch lineups. Um just to get away from the Rondale Moore chalk, just to get away from the Hopkins chalk, I think playing another Cardinals receiver looks pretty good. Keith Kirkwood, not somebody who should be on the radar very much, but there he is popping up a little bit. He must be very cheap. Yeah, $800 salary for Keith Kirkwood. So if he's active, he's a play. If he's inactive, he is not a play. Okay, here, here's Wanda Sandwich's team. Kyler Murray, Austin Eckler, Christian McCaffrey, Amon Ross St. Brown, C.D. Lamb, Pat Freermuth, Jonathan Taylor, Gano, then the bench is D-Hop, Mike Williams, Deshaun Watson, Russ, Jameson Williams, Hayden Hurst. I, again, how big is the league, though? How big, like, how, this has to be an eight-person league. It has to be. If it's not, I'm deeply confused. Bathology, my pal, saying happy birthday, Spags. Hope the no pants dance already happened today. If by no pants dance, you mean me having to deal with the baby overnight. <laughs> <laughs> and Alex leaving with him in the morning to take him to the gym daycare, then yes, the no pants dance has happened. If you count me jerking off to VR before <laughs> the bed so I could try to get my endorphin levels right, uh, then yeah, the no pants dances have happened. Um, maybe after some scallops tonight, that's what we're doing for dinner, scallops and steak. This 12 team, please tell your friends to come to this channel. Tell them to stop watching the fantasy flock. <laughs> come to this channel, please. That is that they, you worked your friends there. Like, boy, oh my gosh, you really worked your friends. All right. So, yeah, I think Robbie Anderson, the captain, is appealing. I think playing him at utility is also appealing just because I think they got to trot him out there and see what he does. Um, JP Holtz looks like a cheap guy that can come up a little bit. Wouldn't mind getting him some tonight at 200 bucks. Uh, more of a utility play. You know, I know the, the cheap tight ends have won lately or been really important lately. Uh, JP Holtz is not Greg Dulcich. JP Holtz is not um, even Jake Ferguson. He is just a dude you play in utility to save some money again on a different beaten path. Uh, Steven Anderson definitely playing some snaps, I guess, could be useful. But boy, 
it's hard to see those zeros, but it doesn't matter. Like playing these guys utility, like you should be playing some Steven Anderson. If you're trying to get different, you should be playing some JP holds to get different. Um, that's sort of the whole point of showdowns is you're, you don't play these guys in a main slate ever on showdown. No, they're as relevant as Kyler Murray is on a given slate. Um, Andy Dalton, captain, lower owned. Kamara captain is kind of crazy because this is one where I think there actually is some upside. What we talked about earlier where Arizona does avoid giving up a lot of deep balls. I think that makes Chris Olave feel not like a trap play, but you know, not like a play to have a lot of faith in. Whereas if Olave is giving, you know, being covered really well downfield, which would be the case for a Cardinals team that defends a deep ball well, then that would mean that the underneath opens up pretty well. And that could be Kamara. That could also be Taysom Hill, but it could certainly be one of those guys. Taysom Hill lineups. All right, we got 31 Taysom Hill lineups out of 1,006. If I were going to play a Taysom Hill lineup tonight, it would be this one. Eno Benjamin, a captain. Jawan Johnson, Rondale Moore, Zach Ertz, Taysom Hill. Eno's coming up so much a captain that you could make a case to not play him at captain at all, honestly. I just target the upside somewhere else. Because um, this is all, you know, this is Eno, Kyler, Rondale. Saints captains overall undervalued for sure. Kamara captain kind of seems nice. If you're getting less ownership for a guy who has as big of a ceiling as Eddie Cardinal, like I think that I think that makes sense to me. What's a Kamara captain lineup look like? Ooh, Kamara captain with Taysom Hill could be kind of fun. Uh, okay, that's that makes sense. Want to say I traded uh, for Eckler, traded Javante Williams, Drake Lund. Oh, that guy must be so mad. He got Javante Williams and Jahan Dotson. Oh boy. What a sandwich is fucking the Daryl Morey of his, <laughs> his friends league, just abusing them on trades or perhaps a witch doctor, just putting curses on these guys. All right. Kamara. Where's give me a taste some lineup in here. I would like to give you guys a real lineup that I would build here. Here we go. Taste some. All right, this, whoa, okay. Hey, we want to get weird here. This would be the top projected one, it looks like. Alvin Kamara, Captain, Keontae Ingram, Juwan Johnson, Taysom Hill, Eno Benjamin, Kyler Murray. Woo, that's an ugly lineup. <laughs> but that's the kind of lineup that can win you $500,000 tonight. So it's not about how pretty lineups are. It's not about how comfortable they make you feel, especially for showdown. It is about what has an okay projection that could be used. So you want to play something safe. You play that one that we talked about with Eno and these fucking assholes. Uh, this one, this is your safe one. This is the one you play in cash. You want to get weird. You want to win 500K. You play Taysom Hill with Alvin Kamara and both, both Cardinals running backs. <laughs> what a fucking dumpster fire. Can we get one with Robbie at least? Oh, Rob, there's no Robbie Anderson. I, I might force in some Robbie Anderson with Kamara at captain for what it's worth, but yeah, there you go. Wow. Some dog shit. It is going to be, all right, here's my prediction. So I, I always give the three takeaways for showdown for showdown. My three takeaways are, I think playing the lesser owned Cardinals. I'll extend that a little bit wider is the move. I'm um, including Robbie Anderson. I don't think it's a batshit insane play with Taysom Hill tonight. I think you can justify playing him a little bit. I would not put him in every lineup. I will tell you guys I'm doing the 220 maxes tonight as well as 20 entries into the Millie maker or to the 500K maker, I guess. Um, but I, I will have Taysom Hill as captain in a few of those. I will have Taysom in utility in a few of those, probably five out of the 20 overall, but I would not do that. Uh, do you see any, no mathology, no double Ds on here because I limit that out. That's not allowed in my lineup builds at all, so.
I'm sorry. I'm sorry to disappoint. The only double Ds I'm seeing are on my, again, the virtual reality headsets for the most part. Um, oof. Anyway, prepare to play some dog shit tonight would be my takeaway for all of you guys out there. But I think it could be a fun game. So could be fun dog shit. I mean, worth pointing out, no Rashid Shahid anywhere to be found. So if he fucking goes for another 50-yard end around, we're going to be deeply fucked. And I, our MVP here, our Daryl Morey, want to say which thing. You may have answered my question already, but with Brown being out, will that improve D-Hop's fantasy value? And what are your expectations of D-Hop this year now that he's back? Is he a wide receiver one? Thanks again. Um, I don't have the faith in the ability for the Cardinals to scheme uh, Hopkins past his age, past whatever limitations he's going to have coming off of the PED suspension. So I don't think he's a wide receiver one. That said, like the thing that DeAndre Hopkins does well in this offense is that they don't scheme guys open as well as they should. Like they don't get Brown open. They don't get more open as well as they should. So one thing you can do is throw to Hopkins and expect him to make a play against like a, a defensive back, make him, you know, like he can make plays against anybody you pair him up against. That's the hope. The issue for me is he's now old enough. And then with the PD thing as well, like are you getting diminishing returns for Hopkins? So I think he's more of a low end wide receiver two, high end wide receiver three. He could easily prove me wrong, but I think the age stuff, the Cardinals kind of running dad like i don't think hopkins is as sure of a play as he would be generally um for this slate though does come up pretty low at captain does come up pretty low overall so like for this slate he's okay for season long though i i don't think he's that guy personally i don't think he's that guy all right guys so there we go that's everything uh if anybody has any final questions drop them in but otherwise now it's plug time please go to footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe go over there now get all the details for yourself all the data in your life that i'm putting into that sheet a lot of that comes from football outsiders dvoa is the one that people swear by Had some meetings today with a very important fantasy uh, person out there who runs a very large fantasy site and he was stoked about getting dvoa api access for their site so uh there are very sharp people out there following football outsiders and i think you should be one of them so go to footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe uh, did Kingsbury give up play calling duties for this game? I know he said he wouldn't be opposed. I don't think he did. I, I don't think, I think that would have to be one of the things where he talks to the front office and they say, you're either getting fired or you're giving up play calling duties. And I think that's when he would do it. But I think Kingsbury's just got too much ego on him. And that's at the end of the day, all we can do in life is avoid having too much ego and just keep it going here. But uh, assess the guy in the money hat. <laughs> You know, gotta avoid having too much ego. Tomorrow, though, 10 a.m., Pete and I back together, reunited, and it feels so good on a Friday morning, so please come back to that one. Of course, I wouldn't be doing my job here, my passion project here, if I didn't ask you. Subscribe, like, and comment. It's my birthday. How could you not do it? Please hit the subscribe button. Please hit the like button. Leave a comment down below afterwards, especially if you have a question. I'll jump in and answer it before the slate. Uh, but go pay attention to the projections here. Watch out for inactives, all that stuff. Shout out to the chat, as always. Good luck to Nate here. Nate's saying, Showdown's the only place I've been having success in the NFL this year so far. The show's really helpful. Thanks. That's honestly, I'm right with you, Nate. I've been I'm making some good plays on main slates, but I've been winning my money back on showdowns, and that's why I think it's a fun content angle to have on this very channel. And check out the Bad Pro show I did yesterday as well. If you are curious about NBA, actually gave those guys some pretty good NBA picks on that stream and talked about my strategy for NBA, which I think is you know frankly the best strategy I have for any sport. Uh, so go check out the Brat the Bad Bros YouTube channel as well. Those guys are doing great work, and uh, honestly, for whatever limited refracted amount of uh, views we get on this channel happy to throw some their way as well so if you love underdog stuff go check those guys out and shout out to the chat as well oh one more oh mathology the super chats are no longer on the channel right now because they won't verify my identity so they'll be back at some point but i appreciate you even thinking about it mathology have no fear last question here from alex mcbucket should i trade mixon for t higgins and chris godwin full ppr i have kamara Brees, mixon no no 
You don't need another. Oh, shoot. No, he's my read that incorrectly. Yes. Yes, you should. You should trade those guys. If you could trade for a stud receiver or, you know, like a second tier receiver, I think Higgins and Godwin would both be a second tier receivers, especially full PPR. And you have that much depth at running back. Like, yes, take that stress out of your life. I think Mixon is a good running back play. Gets a lot of red zone work. He looks fine. But get wide receiver stud talent down the home stretch, especially uh, because that's what you need to really have the upside. And if you're especially on the cusp of the playoffs, you want to have the spike weeks from a receiver like a Higgins, like a Godwin uh, that can help you get to that finish line. All right, guys, there we go. So that's it. Follow me at Chris Fags. Follow at Splash Play Pod. Come back tomorrow, 10 a.m., bright and early for me and Pete. And, of course, subscribe, like, and comment before you go. And I'll be back with you guys tomorrow morning. So good luck tonight. Enjoy your nights. And I'll see you guys soon. Good luck.